Hi, my name is Michael Frank, and this is the Prefab Pod presented by Prefab Review, where we interview leading people and companies in the prefab housing industry. Today, we're speaking with Alexander Colby of Evo Domus, an architecture firm that I believe is located in the middle of the country, but that builds uh, beautiful modular homes around the country and the world. Alex, thanks for being with us. Well, thanks for having me. Um, yeah, let me just quickly jump in and correct you on one uh, detail. We're not yeah. an architecture firm per se. Uh, we're a design build company. We design our own homes. We have, I can explain that more in detail if you want. Uh, we have, of course, a background in architecture, but uh, yeah, we're, we're not an architecture firm. Perfect. Okay. Um, that is, uh, that's an important place to start. So I guess, uh, why don't we why don't we start with your background and um, to sure. start and we can do it. Um, can you just tell me a little bit about um, how and why you started Evo Domus? Yeah. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I by training, I'm an architect. I had an architecture firm in Germany for 12 years or so. And then uh, fate happened and we moved to England. I continued my architecture career in England for five years. And I'm still to this day licensed architect and member of the Royal Institute of British Architects in England. And um, well, what happened is in 2009, after the Lehman crisis basically wiped out our existence in England, we decided, uh, my wife is from Ohio, so we decided to go to Ohio and uh, be closer to her family and so uh yeah we came over here in 2009 and that was a tough phase for us um it's not it's not a good feeling to just lose your your existence in, in a country and then move in your in your mid late 40s move to the united states and start all over yeah. but that's what we did so we saw the were challenge you, we were you working in banking or uh, no no architecture uh, so I had an architecture firm in England. No, uh, the Lehman crisis. Sorry for the confusion. Yeah, the I was a little confused because you said you you said you were an architect by training, but the uh, just yeah, the banking crisis made England not doable from a living standpoint. Yes, because uh, England at that point had a very overheated speculation bubble in uh, residential homes, and. Uh, when when this happened and people lost a lot of money and stocks and stuff, everything came to a screeching halt. I see. So there was no new construction happening on the residential side. It was for us. It was like a um, yeah. We were uh, on high alert. We thought this is going to last a while. So and we didn't want to just wait out and lose our life savings. Yeah, that makes sense. Okay, that. now I understand the connection. Okay, makes total yeah, sense. Yeah, yeah. So uh, we came here in two thousand nine and. Um, didn't really know what to do. Um, I have been working uh, in Germany and in England uh, for the whole time with two German high-end prefab home manufacturers. One is Hoofhaus and the other one is Baufritz. And so I've probably, I don't know exactly, but probably around, I've designed around 200 homes for Hoofhaus and a dozen or two for Baufritz in England. And so this kind of shaped us a little bit we we were really into into sustainable design into modern homes i mean I, studying and living in berlin close to bauhaus this whole philosophy corbusier mies van der rohe there was kind of kind of ingrained in my dna so when we came here we wanted to actually continue doing what we did successfully in germany and england 
but we didn't really know how because for me it was next to impossible to get licensed as an architect yeah. and uh, I, I was I felt I was too old to go back to you know do an, an internship at an architecture firm and, and go yeah. through all that I said no I'm not doing that so then we uh, started uh, we reached out to our German uh, guys and said hey Hoofhaus would you be open to building your beautiful homes here in the US I can see a market here and so that's how we started oh, and uh, yeah and we actually we built two homes one in near Seattle and one in Pennsylvania but it quickly turned out to be a, a, a mind-blowingly expensive endeavor to ship an entire house to the US oh so you, you were you were like modularizing or flat packing them they were like those were uh, yeah you, people call it flat pack i call it uh, like, like panelized yeah panelized they, exactly same they idea. were shipped panels sitting side by side in a container and then shipped over and then the, the whole crew came over from germany yeah that's expensive um, i was here i i got the third party approvals i worked for months and months to to get this all approved and get the visa for the workers and stuff like that so that was um yeah, it was a, a daunting task. And after two homes, we decided, no, this is not going to fly. And also the prices were just so, so, uh, uh, you know, yeah. uh, crazy. We couldn't do it. So, and then we had an, so basically another reset and thought, okay, so I guess we got to do this here stateside because this is what we wanted to do. We wanted to build modern, beautiful, green, sustainable, healthy homes. And, um, so we uh, then, uh, yeah, we started from nothing. Michelle, my wife, and I, we sat here in our little home in Cleveland Heights and thought about our future and decided really was a bold step for us to start a prefab business in the United States out of nothing. And um, so we, we had a lot of good ideas. We had, of course, given our past, we had a lot of knowledge in, in how things should yeah. be done but we didn't have any connections. We didn't know anyone. And luckily we found uh, uh, Bensonwood. You guys know yeah. Bensonwood. And yeah, we, 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 we've worked had, we've with had, them. We've, we've had Gary on the podcast. We know this guy so. Yeah, yeah. And we've, we, we built our very first home in, in Connecticut with Bensonwood. But then we quickly learned that um, as much as I really like Bensonwood and the team, yeah. it was a great experience, but it was uh, just for us, um, too unpredictable because they only do the exterior wall panels. Right, because the they only do the panel, panel on the shell of the house. Yeah, right? so no, no wiring, no plumbing, no nothing. Yep. So, and that left too much open uh, for local contractor pricing that we couldn't predict. Uh, so, um, we we felt we would be we would slowly price ourselves out of the market, and then we yep. kind of regrouped and decided we need to do modular. Had you done modular in Europe before, or because most of the no, modular is actually modular is quite uncommon in in Europe. They do room cells, they do like bathrooms and stuff like that, like an installation course. But the the whole concept of modular construction is very unpopular in Germany. It probably also has to do with space. The roads are not as wide, and it's just those yeah, oversized oversized loads can be a challenge. So, uh, yeah, so we switched our whole uh, concept uh, that was still a moving target at that point, but we decided, okay, modular is, is probably the way to go. And we established over the years, we established a really, really great 
trustworthy relationship with a modular manufacturer here nearby. And uh, we do now, we do every single home with them. And Oh, really? Um, can, you, yeah. can you say what factory it is or no? Well, it's structural modulars. Oh, cool. And they are, they have been extremely accommodating. They have, I mean, they went through a learning experience themselves. We, we reached out to quite a few modular companies and we very often we heard, yeah, interesting, but no, we don't want to deviate from our standards. And we had, we had much higher expectations, which meant deviation on basically every step of the way. And so, uh, yeah, then uh, kind of filtered it down, and we we ended up working with SMI because they were uh, they were open minded. They even sent their workers on certain trainings because we require uh, certain uh, technology in the homes that they weren't uh, accom- uh, accustomed to. So they they did their very best to to make everything work, and that has been ever since has been a really great work relationship. That's great. So I actually didn't realize that. I mean, we know them a little bit. Uh, they're, I think they're they're in Pennsylvania, right? Um, they're in Pennsylvania. So- they're near Clarion, so which is also a great advantage for us because it's just a two-hour drive. So when we have a house on on uh, on the line uh, being built, we can just go there twice or three times a week and just check and supervise. Makes sense. And- because every every mistake, you know, we we're all humans. We make mistakes. Yeah. And every mistake we can catch in the factory is a right. Is a so, so you don't ship something two thousand miles and then have a change yes. order or something. Yes. Yes. Um, so yes. does that mean? Because that's actually pretty. Because I I think that the most of the homes that I know of you doing are kind of East Coast or uh, maybe in West Coast. Does that mean you just ship from there um, to the so, coast? Yeah. So um, this is really interesting. Um, when we started, we had no idea how this business would evolve and where we would end up building. We kind of, um, it's really interesting. We, we came into this high end sector, not because we wanted to, it was basically the market that requested that from us and people, I can't hide my German accent, of course. So people hear me talk and think, Oh, German engineering. Great. I want that. And, uh, so people just, expect certain things that you can't have with every other modular manufacturer. So, Mm -hmm. um, for example, we import triple glazed windows from Germany. This is our standard. We only use German windows, the the nice tilt-turn windows and the big sliding doors, and they have great uh, performance values. They can do much larger glass panes than most American companies. So um, this kind of put us in this market and then people the it's also very interesting how people find us uh, mostly through through research so we have we deal with a very educated clientele and then these people reach out to us and from colorado from california from primarily from the east coast luckily because that's easier for us to handle mm-hmm. but we have built yeah. a home in vale and um mm-hmm. which is which is a logistical challenge but at the same time, oh, especially because, Gale, um, because getting over the, the past is kind of fun, yeah. Yeah, it was, it was uh, fun. We had some fun projects. Also, building on Martha's Vineyard yeah. was also uh, something oh, to right. home about. <laughs> and, um, yeah, um, we, so, I was going to say, when you were talking about shipping stuff from Europe, uh, 
we have yet to do, I don't think we've done a full project on Hawaii yet uh, where we ship the stuff, but we've certainly priced it in. Yeah. Usually it adds like just the shipping alone adds like $50 a square foot or something like that. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. I mean, the shipping to Colorado was, was really expensive, but here's the interesting thing. The local cost of building is so expensive expensive. that our pricing plus shipping would still beat the local market. Sometimes yeah, I bet. So um, that's how 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 this kind of develops. Of course, sometimes people call and they want a smaller home downsizing. They want a 1,500, 1,800 square foot home in those areas. We just can't do that because the cost of shipping would kind of eliminate yeah. every every advantage that we might have to offer. It just goes down to negative, actually. So, yeah, so we can only do... Uh, the larger, more luxurious homes in those areas. And um, yeah, luckily we, we get a lot of inquiries from, from the East Coast. So we, we're currently working on projects in North Carolina near Asheville. We have a project, actually two projects in, in Long Island in the Hamptons. Yeah, uh, We've done projects in, in Connecticut, in, in and around Philadelphia. And um, we have a couple projects also nearby. We've done a house here in Cleveland, and we're working. We have one on the drawing board here, also in in, in the Cleveland area. Cool. Uh, and it, uh, again, it, it, sorry, go ahead. I know. What were you saying? Um, it has to do with um, with the pricing of property in general. So, you know, our homes our homes cost. They're not cheap. They cost something between 350 and 600 dollars a square foot depending on the the specifications the, the size the complexity of the design structural issues uh, the kitchen the cabinetry yeah. everything plays a role and since our homes are completely custom uh, we, we have a pretty far range and um, mm-hmm. we work with our clients to to get that to uh, to a level they they feel comfortable with but we also we're very upfront with our mm-hmm. pricing information we have it on the website we tell everybody yeah. this is what you have to expect yeah. and um, luckily there's a few people who who like what we do and who, who yeah. want to do this now a, a lot a of this five- is so local like i'm sure like 600 per square foot in like cleveland heights is really expensive but honestly like for your quality of home if you could do that in the bay area right now or outside la that would be that would like, be yeah that would be uh, very attractive yeah. now um thing is that you, you you hit the nail on the head here so a 600 dollars a foot home in cleveland would probably not fly because of just the the value of property. right the cops and by, yeah. You can buy a beautiful 6,000 square foot home, 100 years old with two acres of land for under a million dollars. So that's when people start thinking about, um, uh, yeah, what what can I justify as an investment? But there are also people who say, I don't care. This is my forever home. I'm going to spend this. I want to enjoy this. And I don't think about resale value. Mm-hmm. And then, of course, I got to say, six hundred in Cleveland would be a, a, a long shot because you know the labor rates are cheaper here, transportation right. is short. Uh, so we here we're looking more at four hundred, four fifty a square foot. That makes sense. Um, so yes, so I mean, and I mean, we, like your your houses are quite striking, um, and they definitely, at least from what I've seen on the website, 
they certainly have a scale to them, which is um, impressive. But like otherwise, it seems like there's actually quite a lot of variety in the aesthetic. It's not like uh, like I'd say like there are some companies that um, correct where like like Turkel right is another really great architecture firm um and uh, their houses have a very sort of oh, yeah, common sensibility stuff, yeah. whereas yours actually have, have have quite a lot of diversity um can you talk a little bit about kind of your design sensibility how you go about it yeah, so, um, and how that's determined on a house by house basis yeah, so yeah so because of our architectural background of course uh, we love designing that's my purpose in life i love designing homes and for us this is really we enjoy what we do and we we're very convinced that what we do is the right thing to do but we primarily we just love designing and every home we do is is a completely custom design we literally start from a hand sketch of course we have established certain rules for ourselves certain uh guidelines that you have to adhere to in order to make it modular but we really start with a hand sketch and then develop it from there to a 3D model in our computer system and then we can walk our clients so we can do a zoom call or meet in person depending on on distance and we can walk the client through the house show them everything inside and outside and um show them the lot we built even the the land around it in 3d so this is a really great process where we get to a point where the client can really see his unbuilt home in front of him and 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 really get excited and then we we massage the design we toss the ball back and forth really like working with an architecture firm but uh like i said we are not but we are uh, we also we like, design, but a lot of times i feel like that's a technical thing in terms of like <laughs> right you can't stamp it as an architect versus like you're actually doing stuff that's tactically different it sounds like it is well for me it's it's tough because i am an architect somewhere right <laughs> just, not, just, yeah. just your stamp doesn't work in this country or whatever correct correct and people hear me talk and they know oh yeah the guy knows what he's talking about so <laughs> so yeah it was, that that is really important to us. We design based on the client's uh, wish list. They give give us a room program. Or sometimes some clients feel overwhelmed by the thought of building their own home, and we we take them by the hand and say, "Listen, we guide you through this. We ask you questions. Don't worry about it. We work with you. We develop something when we can show you the three D model." And uh, what's also important, I think what most architecture firms cannot do is we always keep track of the cost because for us it is crucial because we don't work for fees. We, we sell a whole house and uh, we can only make money when we reach a point where the client A loves the design and B is comfortable with the budget. Yeah. So, so let's talk about, I know what this is like with a lot of companies, but I want to just go through like, so let's say I come in. I want to work with you all on building a home. Uh, what what can you walk through the steps? Is the first step that I like sign a design agreement with you? Do you yeah. like almost? Yeah, yeah. The, the step zero is that we have a, a free consultation. So we, we talk to the client uh, at length. Sometimes we do several Zoom calls before the client signs up. And then we have uh, an initial uh, design deposit that we charge, some something between fifteen and twenty five thousand dollars. And um, 
we that includes a site visit. So we go out wherever they are. Right, visit. So you fly out or whatever. You yeah. visit the site. You walk it. Or- yes, exactly. So we uh, it entails a lot of traveling, but it's it's part of our business. So okay. we we travel Inserted, out. Does feasibility come before this, or is this a part of this initial thing? Well, what what I do when when I have my first conversations, I I test the client i tell them what the expected costs are because i need to know is this feasible for you client or not because if not then we're wasting our time so we we try to to kind of stake that out a little bit and when we we feel yeah this this is a match then we go out and visit them so site site feasibility comes so just because like one of the issues we had for example i know what you mean sorry i miss like home in marin county actually some of them have a hard time getting a crane in. To, yeah. to so we, we we inform the clients that what, what the requirements are in terms yeah. of accessibility. Right. Oftentimes I, I tell them, okay, show me where the site is. I go on Google Earth or Google right, Maps and just do the street view and check stuff, it yeah. out and see if I can spot something. And oftentimes we... Yeah, and oftentimes we send our our logistics crew out and say, "Hey guys, go go to that site and let us know can you can you get a two hundred ton crane there or not?" And so that works pretty well. And then really the where it starts to to where the fun starts is when we do the site visit physically, meet the client there, get a feeling for the locality, for the atmosphere, the views, orientation, topography, neighbors, where's where's the view, where's the wind, where's the sun, all these things play a major role in, in designing a home, of course. And um, yeah, and then we, we gather as much information as the client can supply. And uh, we, we uh, then we start with the design, that famous hand sketch. And I have to admit, sometimes I get so excited about a design that I go from hand sketch straight to 3D in the computer without even telling the client. And right, you just pass it in like house. My opener is, please, this is just a sketch. I just felt it was so great. I wanted to do it in 3D. But uh, yeah, so once we have that, we have an agreement on the design. Um, we still don't have all the specifications at that point, and but we we have a, a very very st- a streamlined process. We use a, a, a project management tool for the estimating, and then Michelle, my wife, she goes in and she actually spends a couple of weeks uh, to do a line item by line item breakdown of the entire house. Not only our portion of the work, there's also a significant portion that needs to be done by the client's local contractor or the site preparation, utilities, foundations, and then the finishing touches after the house is assembled. So we provide that uh, in a long list, sometimes 100 pages or more, uh, all these line items, and we work with allowances. So we put in a number, a reasonable number for one of our beautiful German kitchens, or American or Italian, whatever you want. There's no limitation. If the client says, no, I want uh, a bulltop kitchen, or so, no brand names here, but uh, yeah, whatever you know what I mean? They can do that too. We just, we're not able to supply those, but you know, this is, uh, they have the freedom to to pick whatever they want. That makes sense. And then, so, so they essentially, sorry, this is getting a little in the weeds, but like, so from an agreement standpoint, then they sign what, like a production agreement with you and then do well, they yeah, sign we, a different agreement with the general contractor yes, for the state work? Yes. 
Yes. So we the client has to sign two contracts. We help them uh, uh, to, to, to gauge the local contractors and ch check their references. Oftentimes they have someone already. Yeah. And, um, you know, the, the client who is interested in a modular home usually knows already a little bit about the whole process. So they're not surprised when they hear, yeah, you need a local yeah. contractor. Makes sense. They and, probably, yeah, yeah. <laughs> probably and, better site. Yeah. Um, what, uh, what are the, um, so I guess, uh, in terms of, uh, so that all makes sense. Uh, we talked about, uh, and then, our, uh, from a, from a sort of stylistic inspiration, you ask people for mood boards. Do you ask them for like what they like? Um, how do you, usually, you no, how do you usually we, yeah, we make suggestions. We encourage them. If you client, if you have a certain picture collection on, on uh, you know, your loves yeah. and hates or whatever it is. Some people go to online uh, portals and have, have images there and they share these with us or they just point at stuff on our Instagram or our website and say, I like this. Can we, can we develop something in that direction that works? And oftentimes it's also, it's kind of funny then people have a, have a, a certain budget yeah, and let's call it tight. I mean, it sounds arrogant if you talk about a tight budget at four hundred a square foot, but sometimes oh, people, yeah. they show me designs that cost like five, six, seven million dollars. Yeah, this is what I like. So, well, yeah, not quite in your budget. Yeah. So we kind of work with them and, and try to get it to to a level that that works for them. Because, like I said, this is for us the only way to to make money. If we if we you know get to a point where the client is happy and 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 confident, that makes sense. So I guess uh, one of the things I don't actually see it featured on your website before anymore, but I know it was a thing for a while. You talked about how are you actually you're actually a vendor for uh, um, some like sort of suppliers that you like a lot like i think it was windows so, and maybe a few other products yeah so um, we have a we have a sister company um that uh, does imports of of windows several brands of european windows and cabinetry and it's it's kind of also it's evolving you know because we um here's a funny little story we we do mostly modular but we also design homes for people who for whatever reason can't do modular we're currently currently building a home in the philippines of all places these uh -huh. people they have been following us for years and they've been looking for land and one, once they had their piece of land right on the ocean on an island in the philippines they um <laughs> they reached out and i said yeah i'm sorry but i can't ship a house to the philippines we, we we can design something for you and we can work with local engineering firms and get it through the permitting process and yet do a full design package for you but uh, we cannot uh, uh ship a house and that happened and then these people say well we also want materials we want all your great materials and that's where our sister company came in really handy because we could supply them with cabinetry even floor materials even oh God, plumbing fixtures and, and and all kinds of stuff so it, it's it's a useful vehicle if you want to supply people with uh, materials that you can't uh, easily get here locally. So you're actually, so you're actually doing the design and procurement uh, for not just the outside of the house, but the uh, inside of the house as well, like all the finishes, mm -hmm. et cetera. Yeah. 
Got it. Yeah. That's cool. So we we do we typically do the the windows, the the cabinetry, interior blinds, and and ethanol bioethanol fireplaces. So these are products that we uh, supply. But like I said, the uh, the client is not not bound to take them from us. They can buy whatever they want, and you know, we, yeah. That makes that makes a ton so, of sense. Yeah. Um, and well, then people earlier, just, uh, before we get into sort of our fire round, uh, I mean, you have a lot of beautiful sort of houses and projects on your website that are probably why you have a bunch of fans all over the world. Uh, are there one or two projects um, that are particularly notable that you maybe want to talk about sort of the story behind? Yeah. So uh, one of my personal all-time favorites is uh, the one in Martha's Vineyard. Um, this is, I don't know how much time we have left, but this is really a, yeah. a story that moved me personally a lot. Um, it was a wonderful client to start with and, uh, the wonderful location. It's an oceanfront lot in, in Edgar town. Oh, cool. And, uh, you know, it came with a lot of challenges. One challenge was actually, uh, how do you get there from Cleveland? You know, you can fly to through international airports, Boston or something, and then take a little island hopper from Boston yep. to Martha's Vineyard, and it's 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 dreadful to be honest. And then you have delays in Boston, and you can't get home the same day, and uh, which is the reason why that project made me decide to to get a pilot license to fly myself. So that's cool. We just couldn't handle the jobs anymore. And, uh, you know, it's a 13-hour drive just to the harbor from here. If you don't yeah, want to fly. if you go to, like, the ferry Then you have to stay yeah. overnight. Then you have to get the ferry, go over, do your business over there a couple hours, and then get the ferry back. And then you have a horrible 13-hour drive back home, which you can't do in the same day. So it, it changed everything for us. I can have a meeting in Martha's Vineyard and be home for dinner. And you know, not that you get the wrong idea. I don't own a plane. I just rent a plane. But uh, it, it it's made a, it's my a, It's life. a very cool reason to get a pilot's license either I way. Never, honestly, I never, ever the considered my entire life I love to, it. to yeah. become a pilot. But I'm going uh, yes. to have to tell my wife that I need to do it, get a pilot's yeah, license. Yeah, do it. It's, <laughs> it's the best thing I've ever done. So, uh, so this project came with this logistical challenge that we solved. And then uh, the next problem was uh, how do you get modules to the island and how do you find a contractor and how there's no crane on the island you know right. our modules are large oh they right oh they don't they don't they don't have train crane so you, there's you no crane on Martha's vineyard let uh, alone a 200 ton crane right interesting so you have so, to get that over yeah yeah so we had to barge everything you yeah. can't get on a ferry with those you have to right. have a barge and you have to prepare a landing area for the barge to get the stuff off the barge and our local contractors, they were a godsend. They were just amazing. They helped us so much, and they made it all possible. Without them, I think we would have passed. We, okay, no, but they were they were eager. They were determined. They were helpful, and, and it was a really great experience. And so we got this stuff all over to the island and um, built this home, and... Um, it was it was really really beautiful as an experience per se the the whole setting uh, working with the client working with the contractor it was like the perfect project and that's awesome um, you know getting the, that permits one of the products was on your website? interesting luckily it was, yeah it's the island gem 
Okay, perfect. I'm looking at it now. But yeah, so people who are listening can yeah, also this is also on. this is this is yeah, this is one of our greenest homes, and um, it has a beautiful roof, uh, a green roof. It's all our homes, by the way, have super insulated walls and the triple glazed high performance windows. So in the end, we can heat and cool the whole house with uh, heat pumps. Uh, mini splits. This house has a blower door test of 0.78, which is also pretty amazing. Um, yeah, great thermal envelope. It's very tight. It has a, a really beautiful indoor climate. You can you can just smell it when you walk into the house. It's it's really great. And then uh, uh, for some unlucky reasons, the owners had to sell the house and uh, the new owner, it sold in, in no time. And the new owner and that was really touching for me. Uh, the owners wrote me a personal thank you letter. I didn't know him. Out of the blue, I received this email from that guy, and he tells me, yeah, I bought that house, and i got to tell you, I absolutely love it. It's That's great. Beautiful. It's, and this is, this is why we do this, you know. Yeah, we need money to pay the bills, but we we work with a lot of of dedication and personal engagement on a, on a, on, a, on a, an emotional level, basically. And um, to get that kind of feedback is really um, it's very rewarding. That makes a ton of sense. That's a great story. Uh, so just to transition, uh, anytime we have experts like you on the podcast, we try to take advantage by doing a little fire round where we ask frequent um, we ask questions sure. we get from the many people who come to our website every day. Um, so I, I'll ask you a couple questions, try to you know answer each in a minute or less, but not too strict. Uh, okay, so I guess when we're talking about site evaluation, we, we talked about that before. What are the specific things you're looking at to evaluate if a site is sort of feasible or not feasible for modular? Well, the number one is accessibility. Is there enough room on the streets around can we get there with a with a 60 foot long module that's 16 foot wide and a big crane semi trucks and everything uh, is there a weak bridge somewhere we, even the roads might be okay yep. but then we we actually we had a real problem with the project back in the day in california everything seemed fine but the bridge wasn't able to carry the crane so luckily then the answer is to cut the house in different size modules so that uh, you don't need such a big crane. Yeah, that's, crane. that's one yeah. benefit that we have. We can just redesign it the way we need it. Right. You do like but 20 foot like long instead of 40 this, foot long. Yeah. Like to catch this up front. Smart. And then another thing I tend to ask my clients um, where, where sometimes we're facing some resistance from home homeowners associations who yeah. are just out of principle against prefab because yep. they have the wrong <laughs> idea of prefab. Yep. They hear prefab and think trailer. Right, they think and, Yeah, And I got to tell you, I mean, a house that, that you can lift up on two stainless steel ropes that weighs 40,000 pounds and doesn't flex, that's a right. darn stable house. house. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, so um, that, that can happen. Um, other than that, um, no, I mean... That, that's what it what it comes down to everything else we can address so snow loads seismic requirements sprinklers yes or no um rock do we have to blast rock can we do our beloved prefab foundation walls or do we need to do cast in place or, yeah. or block foundations we like the prefab foundations because they're accurate they're down to the millimeter 
you know, if you have a basement that's an inch too long, you can't address that. Your oh, so, is so module. you're you're saying when you're saying prefab foundations, those are uh, those are flat packed, right? Those aren't modularized. Those are flat packed. Yes, right. they come fully insulated. They have R twenty one insulation built in. Um, oh, smart. They can be assembled in a day. Oh, so so that's cool. So you actually so if you're doing those and you do those in the factory as well. We we yeah we we uh, we buy them usually we leave that we specify them but leave it in the scope of the local contractor because those guys want to make I some see, money okay, so too it's still a local contractor, and also okay. they have to yeah. coordinate. Yeah, yeah. Well, but we specify it, and um, we have we do the shop drawings or we we check the shop drawings. We do all the all the structural stuff for them, and. Um, then uh, our crew comes in to s assemble the house. That's also crucial. Sometimes contractors get a little antsy when they hear modular because they think they have to put it together. That's not the case. We we have our our set crew that does the the uh, assembly for us. That makes sense. Um, I guess so. We sort of talked about sustainability a little bit. Um, how like I feel like. There are so many, again, you can look at our site. We have hundreds of reviews and so many people come to us and say, you know, we're a green builder and it's just like, okay, you built like a conventional house, but you put like a big uh, PV or whatever solar system on it and you, you yeah. can achieve zero net energy. So my impression is that you, you're a lot more thorough. What does sort of sustainability when it comes to a house mean to you? And Oh, this is, uh, do we have another hour? <laughs> Sorry. <Yeah. laughs> so um, it comes down to uh, thermal performance is one uh, main parameter. That's really important. So we super insulate our walls. We have better insulation in the walls. We still do two by six framing, but instead of fiberglass, we use rock wool insulation, mineral wool. We use thicker uh, uh, drywall on the inside. And we use zip sheathing on the outside. And then we wrap the whole house in an additional layer of insulation, which has a double purpose. One is to increase the R value of the wall and B, to break thermal bridging through the studs. And that is a very, very important part of it. So we end up minimum around R32, R33, and depending on what we put on the outside, we can get that number even higher. We do a lot of stucco, part of our European design language, uh, the IF systems, um, with a rain, as a rain screen system, so we can, we can add more insulation to it and get the R value even higher. Another important part is the use of healthy materials. Of course, we, we use low VOC or no VOC paint. We, we, we keep an eye on formaldehyde content of things. You know, it's, it's something that people talk about it all the time without really knowing that formaldehyde even exists in nature. So it's something you can't entirely uh, avoid, but we try to keep it as low as we possibly can. We make sure that the house is airtight. We try to get to, yeah, we, we do blower door tests. We, our goal is ideally under one. Uh, you can't always reach that goal. Also, because we, we are so custom, we, every house is different. Every location is different. And uh, with my clients with their ocean views and sometimes the view to the wrong, or, uh, wrong uh, uh, orientation, you know, to the west or east or north, worst case, so we can't. We we never try to build passive houses. We try to reach net zero. That's yeah. our personal goal. Um, 
So by adding solar panels, uh, you can get a house to a really good uh, HERS rating, uh, ideally uh, HERS zero or, or HERS positive even. Um, we also do a lot of uh, like simple, smart things like protecting the glass from the sun. You know, there's a summer-winter change. So in the summer, we have, we have canopies uh, or balconies. We have protruding volumes on the second floor that cast a shadow on the glass underneath. Because when, as soon as the, the UV portion of the light hits the glass, it turns into heat and transmits to the inside, and your house tends to overheat. However, in winter, you want that. You, when the sun comes lower, yep. then the roof overhang won't protect you anymore, but it, it invites the sun into the house. And that is a very important part of like, just use your brain a little bit to create something that works without uh, a, 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 an excessive use of AC. Yeah. When you or were talking, were you saying that you, maybe I didn't catch this right. Were you saying that you typically use mini splits as opposed to central um, yes, we, we don't do gas furnaces. We have an aversion against fossil fuels. We don't do that at all, unless okay, there's one project that we'd had to do it because they require by code a, a, a driveway, a snowmelt system. But usually we we only use uh, heat pumps, pre preferably air source heat pumps. We're doing one project right now with ground source heat pumps. But in our opinion, that's just additional money. It, there's no real benefit in using uh, ground source heat pumps. The modern air source pumps with uh, hyperheat, they do a great job. I mean, we live in Ohio. We have heat pumps at our office and uh, they're not running right now. So it's, it's March and the office is well insulated and you don't need it. Um, one um, side effect of building an airtight house is uh, you need ventilation. You need fresh air oxygen in the house. And we use Passive House certified ventilation systems. And guess where they come from? Uh, from Germany, of course. <laughs> I'm sorry. It's well, just so it's funny. Fine. You know, all, you like all the you things... Know. All those things that you really need, a lot of them come from Europe and Germany in particular. And these are so like ERV use, systems that you we, can Yeah, buy. we use those. They, they're they very simple. They're decentralized. They work in pairs. They're HRVs. Um, so they have a heat exchanger in the wall. And so unit one pushes out the, the waste air through that heat exchanger, which naturally heats up by the warm air. And then after 70 seconds, the control unit switches direction. Now unit two pushes out the air and unit one, which is now hot, sucks in the, the outside air and heats it up. And they're like 85% or more uh, uh, energy efficient. So the end result is that you have very, very uh, uh, a little demand for heat. That's why the heat pumps work so well. Yep. We also do, depends on the level that the client requires, we can also do ducted systems. We do that, I would say 50% of our homes have ducted uh, heat pumps where you don't see the mini splits on the wall. Uh, we, we can combine that with ducted ERV systems, yes. with hum uh, dehumidification and, and all the good stuff. So uh, it really, it's it's up to what the client wants. Me personally, if I were to build a house now, I would probably use a wall hung mini splits. They don't, I don't mind them. Yeah. But if, you know, it's a ten, fifteen thousand dollars $15,000 extra uh, to, just to have them ducted. Right. It can be done. So and, it's just, it it's, and that's just an aesthetics thing, right? Yeah. Yep. Makes sense. Um, terrific. Uh, well, that, that fire round wasn't, wasn't quite as fast, but uh, it was worth it. 
Um, okay. <laughs> so f- final question, and I ask this to everyone. Um, what are you most excited about for your company or for the uh, industry in the near future? Well, I'm excited about the fact that more and more people begin to understand the necessity of building green and energy efficient homes because uh, I don't want to get into politics, but we just we witness how around the globe the governments fail to address climate change and global warming. So it's up to us, the people. We have to do what we can do. And uh, I embrace every client who comes to us because of what we do. This really means a lot to me. Awesome. Well, thanks so much, um, Alexander. It was uh, terrific to learn about you and your company. For more information about Alexander and Evo Domus, visit evodomus, E-V-O-D-O-M-U-S.com. And as always, you can visit us at prefabreview.com. Thanks very much. Well, thank you. And I appreciate the time. And uh, yeah, have a great day. Thanks.